As we uh, get ready to hear the word of God, let's uh, give our Pastor Wilson a warm welcome as he comes to the pulpit. Amen. Thank you, Phil. Amen. Good morning, family. Good to see your beautiful faces and welcome to Holy Week, one of the greatest celebrations of the church. I'm so excited because as Sister Angela did pray and tell us and remind us, this is the week of passion. When Christ comes and rides into Jerusalem on the mission to redeem you and I from a fate worse than death. I'm excited today to have this privilege to be with you because this week and this morning, we're going to talk about the believer's challenge at Palm Sunday. And what I want to challenge you about today is going to be in our text today. How do we live out the passion of Christ in a fallen and broken world? How many of you know our world and our nation is broken this morning? Can I get an amen right there? And I was telling uh, one of the, the elders this morning that the church of Jesus Christ is still the answer for the world today, beloved. Let's give God some praise right there. It's the answer. Christ left us here in the earth to be his hands and feet for broken humanity. So you see that good looking person on your row? They're the answer. They're the answer. And God wants to use you in the earth. I hope you believe that this morning because I believe it with all my heart. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Then I will read our text and we'll get right to it. Father, thank you so much for welcoming us into this great celebration. You've delayed your coming to allow us to yet be here to serve for you and to occupy until you come. Now, King of glory, it's preaching time. Would you open our eyes and our ears? Would you breathe on us this morning? Somebody here, Lord, needs a word this morning. Somebody here needs to be encouraged, needs to be stirred in their faith. Somebody here needs to be reminded of whose they are and who they are and what their calling is to be for you in the earth. So I pray today that you would open our eyes and our ears and that you would cleanse us from all our sins, wash us from all iniquity, give me preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done. And in the end, King of glory, we'll give you all the honor, we'll give you all the glory, and we'll give you all the praise. And all God's people said amen, amen. and amen. The gospel according to Mark today, Mark chapter 11, we will take a break in our exegetical work through the book of Luke uh, this week, Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning, to spend some time in a couple of other passages. But while you're here, let me thank you, if you're a first-time visitor, for being here with us at RCC. We're glad you're here, because there's several hundred churches in the western suburb areas that you could have been at, but you chose the right one. And we're glad you're here this morning. Come on, RCC, can we thank God for our visitors this morning? Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Verses 1 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you. 
And as soon as you enter it, you'll find a coat tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it there. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the outside on the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. And so they let them go. And then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then those who went before and those who followed, they cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And all God's children said, Amen. Beloved, it's the last year of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's in the very last four days before Calvary. Jesus, at the time of this text, is in the place called the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives overlooked Jerusalem, and it was known to be the Master's secret prayer grounds. It's from this secret place that Jesus gives his disciples divine instructions to do something for him in the earth that will elevate his name among the people. This text this morning, family, this text rings with the importance of what I call next level ministry for the disciples of Jesus Christ. In other words, this text is important because it shows you and I the next dimension of what we're called to do now that we have named the name of Jesus as our own. Inside this passage this morning, we're going to see humanity worship Christ for the first time in the Gospels like we've never seen it before. So my sermon aim this morning is that you and I, as we go into Holy Week, would understand what the Lord will have for us on this journey and what he requires for us as the church called Restoration Community Church. I got three points I want to share with you this morning. Number one, I want to talk about the disciples' assignment. Number two, I want to talk about the disciples' ability. And number three, I want to land the plane talking about the disciples' authority. Let me give them to you again. The disciples' assignment, the disciples' ability, 
and the disciples' authority. If you are a child of the living God and you have named Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've got these three things under your name. And it's my prayer that you will glean from this text this week and you will have an encounter with God in his word this morning that will propel you to do new things in the earth. The disciples' assignment. Look at the text, verses 1 and 2. It's on the screen for you there. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethany and Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, the Bible says Jesus sent two disciples. And he said to them, go. Go into the village that's opposite you, and as soon as you enter it, you're going to find something tied down. It's a colt. And when you see that, I want you to untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Tell them this. The Lord has need of it. And immediately they're going to send it to you. Family, when we come to this first portion of the text, we see Jesus sending his disciples on a special mission ahead of him. He's going to come to Jerusalem, but before he does, his disciples have a mission they have to complete for the master. This special mission is to go and find a cult that nobody has ever used. Untie it and bring it to him. He said, Pastor, what's so special about that? Well, it was a divine assignment. It was a divine vision. And it was filled with divine instruction. You see, according to the text, because Jesus had need for the disciples to complete this, it made the assignment divine in itself. It's divine because God, hey, is asking them to do this on his behalf. Can I throw something real good in there? Anytime God asks you to do something, it's a divine question or divine assignment. And because Jesus wants to use their efforts and their labor, he's going to do so to get honor and glory from their works in his name. Oh, that felt good. I felt like preaching right there. Can I say it again? Whenever God asks you to do something, it's divine. And it's always so that he can get honor and glory from what you're doing for him in the earth. It's a big thing, beloved, when God talks to you. It's a big thing when God asks of you to do something. It's a great thing when God invites you to co-labor with him in the earth. Now, for those secular people who would question, uh, what's that all about? This might not, you know, seem important to them. But from a biblical standpoint, standpoint, this was incredibly important. Can I tell you why? It was important because scripture had already proclaimed that Jesus was going to come to Jerusalem as a savior and he was going to fulfill this promise. Zechariah 9 and 9 had wrote these words. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, for behold, your king is coming to you. 
He is just and having salvation. He's lowly and he's riding on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. Here's why this is important. Jesus, if he's the Messiah, has got to fulfill every Old Testament prophecy about him. If he does not ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, that prophecy is wrong. And if that prophecy is wrong, he can't be the Messiah. Okay, here I come. This is a major assignment. The disciples have to help Christ fulfill the Old Testament prophetic words that were pronounced about him, or he can't be the Messiah. This is a major verse. Palm Sunday is a major event on the Lord's calendar. I like this. In other words, this is a critical assignment for the disciples. They've got to get this right. They've got to obey Christ. They've got to do this because of the importance of Christ being the Messiah and redeeming mankind. You say, Pastor, what that's got to do with me? I'm so glad you asked. As disciples of Jesus Christ. In the 21st century, beloved, we too have a design, a divine and design assignment from the king of glory. Did you know our assignment is to do three critical things that the Lord asks of us that scripture might be fulfilled? Just like these disciples in our story, we too have a divine location. We too have a divine vision to obey. We too must take heed to the Lord's divine instructions. And when we do this, we'll have a glimpse of that which is tied down. Stay with me. I promise you I'm going somewhere this morning. Look, when we obey Christ, we will be able to find that thing that the Lord wants, that person that the Lord wants, that's tied down, that person that's untamed, that person that's in custody, that, that, that person that's broken, that person that's in need of a master. The, this donkey is a good picture of humanity. When we go into our villages this week, we go back to our jobs, we go back to our homes. We go back to the places where Christ sends us. He wants us to have eyes to see that one that is tied down. That one that is broken. That one that is without Christ. That one that is lost and separated from God. When we look real good, now that our eyes have been opened, we can see them. We know that they are struggling and that the works of the flesh are at work in their lives. How can you tell? Well, some of them will have addictions that they're struggling with. Some will be lost in adultery or fornication or uncleanliness, filthiness, idolatry, what the Bible gives us a list, witchcraft, hatred, racism. Quarrels, jealousy, drunkenness, rioting, homosexuality, false religions, pride, envy, 
As you go into your villages, keep your eyes open. Why? Those are the ones Jesus wants. And guess what? They can only be loosed by the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Guess what? God wants to use you, beloved, to proclaim the gospel and to reach them because they are in need of being saved. Here's what I notice. I don't think nobody loves higher education more than me. Uh, Sister Wilson oftentimes tells me, you don't need no more degrees. <laughs> Five of them. I love studying like that. But guess here's what I found out. You know that higher education never set anybody free? Traditions never set anybody free. Rehab centers never set the soul free. Self-help groups never lose anybody. Psychological hotlines never lose them. Gossip circles or fancy podcasts never set people free. Incarceration sentences never freeze the inmate. Organized religion never loses them. False doctrines will never loose them. False ideas will never loose them. Only God's powerful love, grace, and mercy can loose humanity. I'm looking for an amen right there. And I believe, RCC, that we as a church understand the nature of this calling and have understood the importance of this challenge. So, unless we get dull on this Palm Sunday, let's remember what happened when the young preacher got his first church. Young preacher was called to be the pastor of his first church and he came in Elder Dave with a smoking sermon. Came in and preached the first sermon and the congregation loved it. They said, oh, we got a good preacher. He came back the next week and he preached the same sermon. And they thought, oh, okay. Came back the third week and he preached the same sermon, Brother Joshua. And finally, one of the old deacons came up to him after church and said, look, preacher, don't you got another sermon? He said, yeah, I got plenty of sermons. But you ain't did nothing with the first one yet. <laughs> Here's where I'm going with that. Don't make me come back next Easter and preach this same sermon. Go and do what God has called you to do and invited you to do because it's a divine assignment. We've looked at the disciples' divine assignment. Let me show you now the disciples' ability. The text says, verse 4, when they got the word from Jesus, so they went their way. And they found, oh, you should underline that in your Bible. They found the colt tied by the door, outside, on the street, and they loosed it. Beloved, when you come to this portion of the text, we get to see the disciples move out in obedience. And in going out, they exercise their faith in what Christ had called them to do. 
Here it is. They believed they could do what God was asking of them. They believed they would find what Jesus said they would find. And they went and completed the task. Now, this is interesting to me, and it made me dig a little bit in the text. First of all, I noticed they were familiar with the area. They knew where to look. They knew what they were looking for. They knew how to complete the task that was assigned to them. They, they were trained, and they had been with Jesus for three years. So they understood his divine instructions. Here's the application. And I can't help but notice, RCC, the similarity for our lives today. We too who are the disciples of Jesus Christ, we know exactly what this text is talking about. We know exactly where we're going to go this week. And we know exactly what God is asking of us. It's, it's not like we're novice believers and we have no clue. No, we are just like these disciples. And it's going to be incumbent upon us that when we descend down the mountain today to go back into the villages, that we go our way in an act of obedience. Secondly, what I see in the text is that this ministry called them to do three things. Number one, Sister Wilson, it called for physical labor. Number two, they had to trust that Jesus knew what he was talking about. And number three, they were called to work with the untamed, the wild, the out of control, or let me say it this way, the unchurched. That's what these, this text was about. I wrote myself a note. What does that mean? It means that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is work. <laughs> I'm hunting for an amen right there. You, you can't be a follower of Jesus Christ and not be a worker in the kingdom. Can I get an amen right there? And, and it's work where you must roll up your sleeves. You must get involved in the life of the one who was untamed, who was out of control, who was, who was broken, the one who was rude. I got a list for you. Can I call roll? Okay. They're rude. They're stubborn. They're selfish. They're mean. They're cold. They're distant. They're angry. They may be high. They're foolish. They're unappreciative. They're angry. Unloving, y'all counting, I'm still going. Okay, they're greedy, they're vicious, they're hate-filled, they're racist, they're anti-God, anti-church, anti-humanity, heady, proud, know-it-all, full of themselves, liars, double liars, perverted, rotten, spoiled, bratish, and outright evil. And those are the ones that he wants. And it's going to call for you to roll up your sleeves. Put your feelings in your pocket. <laughs> and work with those who are out of control. It ain't easy. I imagine this donkey, this, this little, this baby cult, had never been trained because the Bible says it was tied down. So it took two disciples. He sent two. Perhaps one was going to have to pull 
and the other one's going to have to push. You got to do discipleship in community. Okay, here's my C group plug right here. If you're not in a C group, beloved, you've got to get in a community where you can have help to reach those who are tied down in your neighborhood, in your village. Well, let's not keep you too long. The Bible says when they went to the location that Jesus told them, they found the coat. And look at this. He was tied down. The Bible says it was by the door outside on the street. Here it is. I think this will help you. It was tied down in between two locations. <laughs> two possibilities. Two ways. Inside and outside. And it was unable to lose itself or go in any direction. So it needed guidance. It needed direction. It needed someone to come along and lead it to where it was supposed to go. Humanity is just like that. Right now, men and women, boys and girls all over this world are tied down in between two ways. Their way and his way. The right way and the wrong way. I feel like preaching today. The good way and the bad way. The holy way and the unholy way. The way of destruction and the way of eternal life. All of mankind is tied in between two ways. And that's why God left the church here. So we can untie people and bring them to Jesus. Can I get an amen right there? Is there anybody here remember how tied down you were? You remember how bad life was, how dark it had become, how lost you were, and God sent somebody to share with you the love of Christ. I got a few nods right here. Can you remember where you were searching, questioning, lost without hope, and God sent disciples your way? Can you remember that, beloved? If you can. And there's a witness in this house today. There's a witness that though they came and got you, you were not easy to work with. <laughs> I know you're not going to say amen right there. I'll say amen for you. You know how difficult it was for them to work with you. You know how hard you made it for them. You know how skeptical you were, but they stayed in there. They kept praying. They kept loving. They kept coming. They kept inviting. They stuck it out with you. Why? Christ compelled them to come to your location and to untie you and to bring you to him. Well, we've looked at the disciples of Simon. We've looked at the disciples' ability. Let me land the plane now and show you the disciples' authority. The Bible says, how we doing? Everybody okay? Okay, give me an amen. amen. All right, good. There'll be a little turbulence right through here, but hang on, all right? Verses 5 says, but some of those who stood by that location where the coat was saw these disciples untying him, and they said to them, what are you doing untying this coat? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded them. And so the Bible says they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus 
and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. Beloved, I did all of that to get to this portion of the text. Because when we get here, we get to see a portion of the work that we don't normally see in discipleship. And I call this the authority dynamic. This is what you and I have in the earth as sons and daughters of the living God. It's called this because they actually were working in the authority of the Lord. And they have what is called is exousia. It's authority. That's the Greek word. And it's the same word that Jesus is going to give them after Calvary. He gives it to them before Calvary to help him fulfill scripture. And he's going to give it to them after Calvary to help him fulfill scripture. You are looking at what I call a pre-Calvary glimpse of what it's going to be like to work on the king's behalf in the earth. This text says, when they found the coat, they were met with opposition. What do you mean, pastor? Somebody tried to stop them. Somebody challenged what they were doing. Brother Steve, somebody has something to say. Somebody did not like it. And they had an opinion about what they were doing and why they were doing it. Bible says some of those stood by. They questioned, what, what are you doing untying the coat? We can first learn from this text that whenever you're working for the Lord in the earth, there's going to always be obstacles. Can I say that again? For somebody who thinks this is going to be easy. Nope, there's going to be obstacles when you want to obey God. There's going to be interruptions. There's going to be questions. There's going to be obstructionists. There will be those who feel as, as if it is their business to question you and to impede your progress and what God has called you to do. They ask the disciples, what do you think you're doing? And for the record, I think it was good that they asked them that. I think it's good that the culture asks the church, what are you doing? Can I tell you why? I think it's good because it's good for them to inquire about our motives. Why? Because it gives us an opportunity to testify why we are doing what we're doing in the name of the Lord. We don't have to be afraid of questions. We don't have to be afraid of the obstructionist. That's a wonderful opportunity to testify why I'm going into the jails, why I'm going into the prisons, why I've chosen to go down to the rescue mission and minister to the hurting and the lost, why I'm, wordy, I'm working with the homeless. What an opportunity. And I love it. The text says they had an answer for them. They questioned him, and the brother said, the Lord, yeah, he has need of it. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Oh, that's good news right there. The Lord has need of this coat, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, I got to leave you now, but I'm so glad they followed the word of the Lord. I'm so glad, Brother Mikey, they obeyed his instructions.
I'm so glad that when they obeyed the instructions of the Lord, the owners of the coat released it. And they brought it to Jesus. And when we obey the word of the Lord, we too will get rewarded by our obedience. Did you catch that? They weren't rewarded monetarily or fame. Their obedience was their reward. (laughs) And then they brought the coat to Jesus. How beautiful that is. I like it in the the text there because the word Lord has a capital in it. It's the Greek language for the word kurios. And it means the supreme ruler. They said the supreme ruler of all the earth has need of it. And with that statement and the authority that they had, they had to release the coat into their custody. And I like this because the Bible says, look at this real good. They threw their clothes on it. And as they threw their clothes and brought it to Jesus, many started seeing this little coat with the clothes on it and they started taking off their clothes and they spread their clothes on the road, cut down branches, put trees in the road so that the coat could walk on them. And then those who went before them And those who came after them started to cry out in this song, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was the fulfillment of scripture that was prophesied by Zechariah 9 and 9. Jesus had met the fulfillment of scripture. It was evidence. This is the Messiah. When I look at this text, I get excited, giddy every time I come to Palm Sunday. Because what you see here is what I call spontaneous praise. And it just breaks out in the crowd. Never had the crowds he ministered to broke out in spontaneous praise like this. You know what I call this? Uh, This was Acts chapter 4 stuff. Only it was before Pentecost. They took their possessions and they laid them at the feet of the king. They laid palm branches so the coke could walk on them. They cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know what that word means, Hosanna? Save now. Save now. Uh oh, I missed somebody. The king is riding into Jerusalem. And guess what their spontaneous praise is? Save now! Save now. Not fix our economic condition. Not reconcile the Jews back to power. Not do this, not do that, not give me stuff. No, king, your agenda is salvation. Save now! Save now. The Spirit of God was moving. Guess what our cry ought to be in the earth today? Save now, Lord, because only salvation reconciles a broken man to a holy God. Save now. Save now. I'm closing, but the Hillsong Church in Australia sings a popular hymn today that we know called Hosanna. And the the lyrics go like this. I see the King of glory coming in the clouds of fire. 
the whole earth shakes. The whole earth shakes. I see his love and mercy washing over all our sin. The people sing. The people sing. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And then they have another verse in there. They say, I see a generation, Angelus, stirring as we pray and seek. We're on our knees. We're on our knees. Hosanna, save now, save now. Save in the highest. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. RCC, that's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for us, beloved. That we will see the salvation of the Lord in our generation. I got to leave you now. But from this point in the narrative, you need to know Jesus is on his way to Calvary. His assignment, his ability, and his authority. Save now. Save now. And he's riding on a mission to redeem a lost and a dying world. Don't you look at this week no other kind of way. You're watching the king of glory in motion to redeem our lives. In just four days, we'll come back on this Friday. And Friday night, we're going to talk about the death that he died. They stretched him high and they dropped him low with nails in his hands, a crown of thorns in his head. I like this because uh, um, Jesus said, nobody takes my life, Angelus. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it back up again. But he willingly submitted to the crucifixion that you might be saved, that your village might be saved. He died, was buried, and early Sunday morning, conquered death, hell, and the grave. What a week, family. What a week. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer?